Well, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning, and we begin our service by singing the doxology, which is found in your red hymnal, number 549, the doxology. is hymn number 648. Happy is he whose guilt is removed, whose sin is forgiven. Happy the man whom the Lord reckons no evil, whose spirit is free from guile. Then I told you my sin, I hid not my guilt. I said, I confess, O Most High, my transgressions, O Lord. As for you, you removed the guilt of my sin. Therefore every saint prays unto you, when an army approaches or floodwaters rise, he is not overtaken. You are my refuge. You protect me from danger. You surround me with shouts of triumph. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 386. I am weak, but thou art strong. Hymn number 386. Thank you. 
Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, Lord, we come before you just as we are. And God, it is in that condition that you accept us and that you love us. And God, we just want to say thank you for that. That even though you know who we truly are, you still love us. You still care for us. You still want to hear our prayers. You desire for each and every one of us to follow your will and all the things that we do in our lives. And God, we just praise you for that. And God, as we do come before you with the needs and requests that we have, Lord, we acknowledge them before you. And you remind us again and again that there is no need too small or no need too big that you cannot respond to. But God, give us the wisdom that we need, the discernment, and above all, the patience that we need to have as we desire to hear your answers and accept them for our our lives. And Lord, we think of the needs and requests of others, family members, of friends that are struggling, that have the, many of the same needs that we do, trying to have answers to questions of different events that have taken place in their lives. And Lord, we lift them up to you. And God, we pray for all the patients throughout this medical center, the staff that is working here today, and the family members that will be visiting. Lord, in the same way that we pray for ourselves, God, we also lift them up to you in prayer. And God, we just want to praise you for everyone that is here during this time of worship. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 393, Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride. Number 393. God. 
Amen. Please be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that it is not for yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Let us pray. God, we just, just thank you for this fellowship that we're having already this morning in this time of worship, Lord. We thank you for the open minds, the open hearts, just allowing the Holy Spirit just to guide us and provide us direction. God, I would ask that you would help me and the direction that you would want me to lead this morning. In Christ's name, amen. I don't know if you've heard a lot of sermons about grace or people trying to define it. I know I have, and of course the simplest one that I learned way back when, which was a long time ago, is that grace is God's unmerited favor to us. Very simplistic definition, but I think it's very true. But again, the practical application of that grace for you and for me how do we do that? How do we see that? And of course, I always like to talk about myself, but today I'm going to talk about someone else. Do you ever have a friend or a family member that they are making decisions because they think it's the right thing for them to do, but you believe it is a mistake? Any of us have that on occasion? We have a friend or a family member and they believe that they are making the best decision for them, but you know deep down inside that they are making a mistake. And if you love them, as I love my friend or family member in this situation, you don't say anything to them about it. You allow them to make the mistake. And that is very difficult, at least for me, to do. And it's not that I'm full of wisdom or insight, but sometimes the most difficult thing I have to do is not to say anything. Because I always want to somehow fix the problem. Kind of like the fix-it guy, you know. I want to help people out. But there are times when I just have to be silent and allow the circumstances to unravel. So this has been going on over the last few months, and sure enough, it was admitted that a mistake was made. 
Now, I did not have any thoughts about I told you so. You, didn't, you wouldn't have listened to me anyway if I said anything. I didn't have any of those kind of statements. But, you know, part of my reaction to was that it had actually personally hurt me. I, I felt hurt because I knew it was a mistake. I knew the best thing to do was not to say anything, but to allow that person to enter through that decision-making process. And then, obviously, I feel for them. Not sorry for them in a, in a negative way, but I, I feel sorry that they have to experience that. But yet, the outcome is going to be that they have learned from that mistake. And I think grace that is given to us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is part of that process of God allowing us to make mistakes for us to learn from them, for us to mature from them. And even though it might be easier for God to intervene and to prevent us from making those mistakes, He permits and allows things to happen so that we can learn from them. Just this past week I was at a conference and a person got up and was speaking about certain aspects of leadership within the church. And one of the things that he focused on, which... I focused on a lot was the whole idea of brokenness because for us to be successful leaders whether it's at home whether it's in at work whether it's in the different places we might go with our friends is for us to be true leaders leaders that God wants us to be we've had to experience brokenness I have experienced a lot of brokenness and I would say to you that because I have experienced a lot of brokenness because God allowed me to make those mistakes he didn't prevent those mistakes from my life that through that brokenness I have a deeper understanding of what God's grace is and I think that's the only way that we can understand that grace is we have to personally experience it. Now, I am not giving you privilege. I'm not giving you the privilege or the permission to go out and do something stupid and make a mistake so you can experience God's grace. I'm not telling you any of you to do that. Because I don't think I have to tell anybody to do that. Because we do that pretty much pretty good on our own. <laughs> but it's within that grace though that we have to understand that as we experience God's grace there is that acknowledgement to God that we have made mistakes and we somehow need to get back on the right track because the scriptures that we've read this morning tells us about the great love that God has for each and every one of us and that he is rich in mercy. And I am so thankful that God is rich in mercy for me, and I would also put you in there as well, that God is rich in, in mercy for you and for me. And because of that mercy, God takes the mistakes that we have made, and he gives us the maturity in that brokenness to learn from them. But the scriptures also remind us that because we are alive in Christ, 
that whatever mistakes that we have made, that those mistakes are no longer held to you and me accountable. They are dead. We are dead in our transgressions. We are dead in our mistakes. But yet Christ has made us alive, not because of those mistakes. Those mistakes that we have done in our lives should no longer be following us around. And yes, I know that at times there are shadows of those mistakes, shadows of things that we have done wrong that we have to live with on a daily basis. And I live with my shadows of my mistakes on a daily basis. But I also have to remember that I am now walking in the light with Christ. And even though there might be times when the shadows appear on a daily basis, I have to remind myself that the light is there always. And it is the grace that God gives us through his son Jesus Christ that you and I have been saved. And it's always interesting about the word saved because a lot of times it gets misused. And I would say the word saved means two different things. One, and I think the most important, is that Christ, because of what he did on the cross, saves us from ourselves. And as Christ saves us from ourselves, we are now saved and in communion and in fellowship with God. I don't know about you, but I need to be saved from myself. There are times in my life that I think I have adversaries or enemies in a physical form around me, but really I don't. They're just people that annoy me, that I wish they would go away. But God keeps them around, I think, to remind me that he's in control even with the different annoyances that we seem to live with on a regular basis. But it's in that that we see what grace really means, in the fact that you and I have been saved from ourselves, you and I have been reconciled to God through his son Jesus Christ, and our transgressions are dead. They are buried. There is no reason at all for us to dig them back up again. And when we do have those passing shadow of thoughts about the things that we have done in the past, we do not need to move any piece of dirt from what has been buried. We just need to embrace the fact that just God loves us for who we are and he knows all about us, and we just need to move on. Because those remembrances of our mistakes do not come from God. They do not come from God. And if we understand that, that we truly can embrace the grace that God has for us. I know at times, and different philosophers that I have read and studied, seems to say at times that the Bible contradicts itself because it talks about grace and then it talks about works. That seems to be in conflict. The scriptures here this morning tells us that it's not in conflict. That works is something that we do in reflection of the grace that God has given us because we want to do something. 
It is something in which we need to understand and incorporate in our lives. Because grace truly is that love in action. And in response to that, we want to love God in return. And we both hope and pray that our lives would be reflective of that love in action of God's grace. Because he gives us the riches that we need to have spiritually. The riches that you and I are always seeking. The riches that gives us that peace and that contentment, that patience that we need to have. And God says to us through his son Jesus Christ that the poverty of our lives are exchanged for his riches. The riches that you and I have in Christ. And it's something that God gives us through that grace. And we respond. We respond as best as we can in kind. Because obviously we cannot love God the way that God loves us, but yet we make the attempt to express our love to God. We make the attempt to do those things that would honor our relationship with Jesus Christ. We do something to try to show, and once again, it's an attempt that we try to make, just to say, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for bestowing me that grace that is that love and action that you have for me. And as we respond to it in faith, we respond to it by what we do in terms of our actions. And we have talked about this again and again and again, that it's not about perfection But that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to follow Him as much as we possibly can. To follow Him in terms of what you and I reflect as we we follow God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we express those riches of His grace. And in the same way that Christ gives us the kindness in our lives, so are we to give kindness to others. And then we realize... We begin to understand what faith truly is. Believing what we hope for. Believing in those things that we have yet to see. And we embrace that. The other thing that the conference that I was just at was specifically talking about is the assumptions that we make about different things in our lives. The assumptions that we believe in even though there may not be any facts, the assumptions of what we believe in emotionally, the assumptions of what we believe in physically, and then the assumptions that we have of our belief in the Creator and the creation. So your belief in Christ, is it based on some type of theory, or is it based on fact? And what are the assumptions that we have to understand what God's grace is for us? The scriptures tell us that it is a gift from God and is not something that we work towards. And the reason why I believe the scriptures say that is the grace that God gives us is not something that we can earn. Because if we earned it, we definitely would be boasting about it, wouldn't we? We would see it as some type of achievement that I have been able to do something that no one else can do. 
I have been given grace and therefore I worked really hard to obtain it. That's not the type of righteousness that God wants us to have. And I believe you're familiar with those types of people that they believe that they're better than you are within their own self-righteousness that they have created. And they base that attitude, they base that feeling on the fact that they're just not as bad as everybody else. And they've never made the same mistakes that everybody else has. I know people like that. And they kind of talk down to you. You know, that somehow they are more perfect than you are. But God tells us, you know what? They haven't really experienced or understood the gift that God has given because of what Christ has done. They have not experienced or seen God's handiwork in your life and in my life. And God is constantly doing his handiwork on me. He is molding me. He is making me. And there are times I say, God, when is it going to end? Would you please stop? Don't we have a finished product yet? And God says, no. I don't have a finished product with you yet. You are a work in progress. I am a work in progress. And in that relationship, we see what God has created in you and in me. And it is good. You are good. I am good. And it's not something that we have worked for. It's not something that we can claim that somehow we did something special and we have earned it. It's the goodness that comes from God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is that goodness that each of us has because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God continues to work on us. He continues to mold us and to make us after His will for our lives. Because it's something that we should embrace. Because God is always preparing us for the next step in our lives. And you and I, we are fellow pilgrims. We are pilgrims that we walk sometimes separately, sometimes side by side, sometimes in a group. But we are fellow pilgrims with the hope and with the understanding that the gospel of Jesus Christ guides each one of our steps. And that's what grace is about that God wants us to continue to take those steps as His handiwork works in our lives, the good works that we do, not as a reflection about ourselves, but our reflection of what we believe in in Christ, and that God is preparing us in advance for whatever that next step might be 
in our journey. As you and I, as fellow pilgrims, as fellow followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, desire to take that next step in peace, desire to take that next step in confidence, desire to take that next step in the love that he wants us to show to each other. The title of the sermon, which I haven't mentioned yet, is Grace Wins All the Time. And you and I have already won. You and I are already victorious because of what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, that gives us that grace, gives us that love. So, if there are times throughout the day that you might feel like a loser, when the shadows of transgressions, mistakes that we have made in the past seem to appear, we need to remind ourselves that grace that is in our lives wins all the time. We need to say that, I think. God's grace wins all the time. I am a winner. I am victorious because of what God has done for me and for you. And it's something that we live by. It's something that we incorporate. It's something that we experience. Because you and I are no longer poor. We are rich because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion to acknowledge our relationship. And I practice open communion here in the chapel, which means that if you believe that you knew Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're welcome to take communion with me. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us how rich we are and how we are winners because of your grace in our lives. But God, there are times that we feel like failures. There are times that we feel that the mistakes that we've made can just not be made right. But yet, God, that is not our responsibility. It is yours because of your grace and because of your love for us. And God, we just put all of those efforts we come to you in our brokenness, the mistakes that we've made. And God, the shadows of all of those things disappear in the light of your love. And Lord, we praise you for that. And thank you for forgiving us and loving us and making us right in you. In Christ's name, amen.
For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. And the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn is number 389, Just As I Am Without One Plea. 389. Oh. 